Welcome to The Adult Table, a podcast where we sit down with people in the SACE and our STEM community. We set the virtual table to bring in a diverse set of guests to engage in a casual conversation on their professional career and life. With this podcast, we hope that we can bridge the gap between the hierarchy involved with growing up. We can redefine what it means to be able to figuratively sit at the adult table. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Chin. And I'm your other co-host, Jenny Chung. Today, we have Pia Muya. She graduated in 2014 with a degree in molecular and cellular biology from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and then began her career in the biotech industry. Pia is currently an associate scientist at AstraZeneca. (laughs) She has been involved in SAIS since 2013, reviving her chapter at U Illinois, and moved on after graduation to be the Midwest Regional Marketing Rep, then moving on to be the marketing chair overseeing the branding, communications, and marketing strategy for SAIS. And now she currently sits on the SACE's board of directors as the board professional membership representative. So welcome to the show, Pia. Uh, really happy to have you here. Uh, so we had a little introduction, but can you fill in the blanks for our audience and tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Pia Muyad, as you guys introduced me. Um, I'm currently based out of Arlington, Virginia. I moved in the pandemic um, back in wow. November from Boston. Um, I think on the SACE website, my bio still has my Boston job. So you guys have like the latest and greatest version of my bio. Um, exclusive content. Exclusive <laughs> content. Um, so I have, I have been on the East Coast for almost four years now, but I'm a West Coaster at heart, even though I went to school in the Midwest. I'm originally from Las Vegas. So oh, okay. my heart always lies there. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I I also agree with you being West Coast, (laughs) because I grew up in the East Coast all my life. And then I decided to move like after graduation. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I love it there. And I didn't want to want to come back um, because of the weather and everything. But I'm currently stuck here (laughs) now. (laughs) So yeah, you mentioned your move, um, like, during the pandemic. How was that? That was interesting. Um, So moving itself was fine i ended up driving down here so a little i guess backstory as to why arlington virginia um i had been doing long distance with my boyfriend and you know pandemic makes it a little bit difficult to like fly back and forth so Mm -hmm. i found a job down here at astrazeneca and moving it was actually pretty fortunate because rather than having to load it big u-haul there was already like furniture and stuff down here um since i moved into his apartment um Mm. and that included just you know like selling everything so i learned how fast on facebook marketplace everything sells (laughs) (laughs) um so i was able to do that and then just did a road trip in a chevy tahoe dang how many days did it it take to get down there you like split it up a bit Yes, so we did a weekend. We, so we split it up. Uh, we drove on a Friday from Boston uh, to New York City, spent the night in Brooklyn, kind of seeing friends at a social distance gathering, you know, mm-hmm. six feet apart outdoors, hello. And then <laughs> on a Sunday, drove down. So it was about, um, I guess, 14, or I think it's supposed to be like 10 hour drive total, but with like pit stops and all, we just split it over two days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. How has it been? Uh, I guess like seeing from your experience, like 
you mentioned to going to school in the Midwest and living in the West Coast and going to the East Coast and now Virginia. So mm-hmm. how has like those transitions been for you moving? It, it's an adventure. Uh, I won't lie, it's also a little hard. So when I went to college at U of I, part of the reason I chose it was my aunt and uncle were professors there. So my family was comfortable with me moving out when there was family that was just right there. But the thing was, it's just trying to make friends and getting um, yourself acquainted with the area. And I think part of the problem, you know, is where trying is, I guess, connecting with people um, and finding them. So going to college is the easiest since in college, you have all of these meet and greets or freshman orientation dorm life where you get to meet people. Um, The hardest part was probably moving um, to San Diego for my first job. With that, I knew nobody. So no family. I guess like Vegas is a six hour drive. So instead I went on meetup and tried to find friends that way. And it actually worked. I'm still in touch with some of those friends from um, that meetup group. And if anyone ever wants to use meetup, I really recommend trying to find very specific ones, not just meet and greet where there's like a thousand people. The one I joined was Asian American women in their twenties who like to eat. Oh, that is very specific. (laughs) It was, and it worked out so well because Mm -hmm. then our groups were just like did some dates or someone wanted to try a new restaurant and had no one to go with. So it was more intimate um, gatherings of maybe at most like 10 people for dim sum right? And maybe like two to four people each time. And that's where you really kind of get to form those bonds and make friends. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I had done a, a co-op in San Diego as well. This, I guess it's been two years ago now, but where I, it's this company called Parsons. So I was like downtown by Gaslamp. Oh, I used to live by there. Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was funny. Meetup was something that someone suggested to me, but I think I was like really hesitant about Hmm. like those large groups. I didn't think about it as much, but yeah, that is like kind of like the big roadblock of like moving to a new place. I don't know, Jenny, like how has your experience been? No, I definitely related with that. I think um, when I first moved there, I did know a few people actually from SACE. So it helped kind of to build like some sort of network. And I did go to a good amount of happy hours for my company, but those are like also really big events. So it's really hard to, to have more personal time with like a smaller group of people and to like make um, a group of friends that you felt comfortable with or a community. And then I was actually going to start going to like meetup things, but then um, the pandemic started. And so I couldn't do any social things. And so um, it was really hard to be like social in a new place when you can't leave your home. So I guess going along with that, like since you started work during like quarantine and everything, how was that transition to for you? It was interesting to start at a new company in pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't met three members of an 11 person team of mine um, mm-hmm. in person. That's just because my job function doesn't require you to be there if you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas before my previous jobs have all been very lab centric and we were deemed, um, and my last job since that's when the pandemic hit, we were deemed lab essential. So we could still come in, you still had that camaraderie and you also had like that pre-pandemic camaraderie. And this time you're trying to do like virtual happy hours, one-on-ones, trying to get to know people, but it's not 100% the same, but I think it'll do, right? 
because if you can be on site or just try to plan those little times where you can get to know each other outside of, hey, we have work stuff to do. Um, I think that's very valuable because you miss out on, you know, the water cooler chats or the, let's go run out and get boba chats. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely relate. I started my job because I graduated in May. So I started during the pandemic and having or trying to make those real connections outside of, yeah, just like a workload meeting or, yeah, just like checking in about work. And also everyone's kind of just at home doing the same stuff. So it's like really hard to connect and there's um, nothing new going on. Yeah. It's watch. like, Oh, what do you do? Like, Oh, I was just at home. I was like, yeah, me too. I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to find the hobbies in um, pandemic or trying to figure out what you're going to do on the weekends because the response is like what I do on the weekdays, except I don't <laughs> log onto my work computer. <laughs> right. Also looking at your work experience. So I know you mentioned that you moved to Virginia because of your like long distance relationship, but something that stuck out for me was that because you're jumping around, I guess like when you're starting off as a new job, you're trying to understand like, if you really like that work or if you find passion from it, or if you like the culture. So I was just wondering what your thought process was of moving to other companies. I'm not sure if it was all, kind of related to like your relationship or not, but if it was based off of like culture. So I've left a job three times. This most recent one is my third. Um, The original times to move, you know, there was always an outside factor. So for my first job, it was, there was no growth opportunity. Uh, It was a situation where, you know, my boss and I had had these discussions about what comes next for me, but, the company as a whole did not really support growing in your role and getting to that next level because I was at that company for three years and, um, you know, having those discussions, I would always ask, what do you look for in the next level? What do Mm -hmm. I, what do you need to see from me? Because in my head, and I still think that to this day, it's like, if you can meet all of those metrics and you can prove it in what you've been in the past year, I think that, you know, you're more than qualified and you should, be able to reach that next step and get that promotion. And with that role, I was kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. As much as my director was a champion for me, it was just her and I, it wasn't enough. And it was actually the best. Oh, actually I've had a couple of good ones, but I've never had a bad experience giving my two weeks notice. (laughs) Um, So that's why I moved to Boston when I was, looking for jobs I was just like you know let's just cast a net out there and see where we're at and it turned out oh there were these two opportunities I could either go to Maryland and work for the NIH or I could go to Boston where the startup biotech company was gonna um, meet my offer and give me all these opportunities and they actually flew me out for an interview and it was so exciting Mm -hmm. Um, and I really liked the team and the boss so I did that and made the decision to go to Boston. With my time in Boston, I moved to a different job just because I thought this other company had cool technology and my previous company was, had also like some financial issues. <laughs> so it was time to you know, grow in, as an individual, but also feel more comfortable that I was going to be in that role <laughs> for a long period of time. 
I see. Yeah, I think for both Jason and I, since we're like still new-ish in our careers where we just started a job recently and haven't really been in it for too long, we were, I guess for me, because I was having a lot of discussion with friends and stuff too, and they're like, oh, I'm going to start job searching in like the next year. And I'm like, wait, I just started this one. Should I be doing that too? (laughs) I guess it depends on the person and kind of how they feel about a company and whether or not they can grow um, in that company in terms of promotions or like having more responsibility in whatever role they're in. So I guess it's always interesting to hear that from your perspective, where you've actually been through a couple of experiences of that sort. Whereas I, I don't think I've necessarily heard or like know many people since all my friends are like the same place right now. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's like nice to hear that it's okay to like leave your company if you don't feel like it's the right fit for you. And I think that's the, oh. I always hear mixed things, so. A hundred percent. I think if you are not feeling fulfilled in your role or you don't feel like you're growing, Mm -hmm. you should probably start reevaluating if that's what you want to do every day. Should you go to another company? You know, Mm -hmm. I've had friends around um, my age consider switching careers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always an option. I had a friend once tell me, She's probably going to live three different lives in this life, which is just, you know, maybe job switching three different times and it's perfectly fine for her. Mm-hmm. So don't stay in something. If, like, if you're afraid to leave your job, I've never had a boss tell me, you know, you're going to leave on bad terms or we're going to burn bridges. Every boss I've had has been a champion for me and they've always been supportive of my growth. A good boss will understand and you should never be scared about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that is really reassuring to hear because I guess, yeah, like Jenny mentioned, it is very intimidating to think about yourself outside of this job that you've had or like you started off with and like leaving that comfort zone because you're like, am I just being too hard on this? Like, should I be trying to, I guess, like appreciate the work more or try to like find different ways within it versus like having some sort of large change, whether it's location or like company based. Something that we also wanted to ask to, I guess, tying into a campaign that you said you were very proud of in SACE, which was the She Inspires Me campaign for Women's History Month in March. So we wanted to hear a little about your experience as a woman of color working in STEM. And I guess since you've had multiple companies, like how that's varied between your different workplaces. In terms of being a woman in color in STEM, I definitely felt more about being the only woman on a team. I've also experienced having to educate sometimes, mostly coworkers just about a little bit of nuances or small things that they just did not realize. For example, that Chinese New Year can also be called Lunar New Year because it's Mm. not always, you know, Chinese culture that celebrates. There are other cultures that celebrate as well. Right. That would be one example. And then in terms of like being the only woman on a team, I've been lucky to work on teams where that hasn't been an issue. You know, you don't get comments or being dismissed for being a woman. Um, I've heard that there are cases where that happens. And um, fortunately, I haven't been put in that situation as of yet in my career. I see. Yeah, I think for me, I do relate to that in some sort of sense, too, where more majority of my teams were white male coworkers. So there were times where I would be like, oh, I don't think it's my responsibility to say something because it takes more energy for me to try to educate you. Whereas, you know, sometimes it's just not, I guess you choose the battles that you want to fight. 
because they might not understand it or they just don't want to taking that information from you. So it's just like exhausting in some sort of sense. And I feel like you just have to find a balance of, of uh, how much you want to engage in that. Yes. And I think it also depends on, you know, how your relationship is with like your coworker or to the person right. that you're explaining it to, because if they're more receptive or let's say you have a more open communication style, I'm a lot easier just, you know, instead of navigating words to explain something, I can just be direct and have them be like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Or, you know, starting more of that conversation, explaining why. To your point, Jenny, it's never your job to have to do right. it. But if you can, or if you want to, that's always an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess also like in mentioning the She Inspires Me campaign, I was wondering your thoughts on where you wanted to see this campaign go in space in the future. I think that the campaign should continue and I would just love to see more engagement from our members, not mm-hmm. just, you know, on a national level, but seeing things at the collegiate, you know, collegiate chapters, the pro chapters, you know, our professional ERGs or safe leads that we've taken in. It'd be nice to expand the campaign to, you know, all parties and in membership involved in space. So when the campaign started back in 2015, 2014, it was, um, we had no idea what we wanted out of it 10 years from now. The campaign started as the, our marketing team had a subsection called Growing the Base. And in this team, it was myself, Erin Silva, who is the Face Boston professional chapter president still, David Huang, who used to run uh, Face Marketing's branding team, and Selena Chung who I think is from Pittsburgh. So it was a team of four of us and we were trying to figure out what holidays, what days should SACE recognize. We wanted to be inclusive. Um, At the time, you know, we would have a little blurb or a little thing, but not a full on campaign. And someone had mentioned, oh, May is Women's History, or sorry, March is Women's History Month. And the question was, should we do something? You have two girls on this team. What do you think the answer is? Of course, we're going to do something. <laughs> and then the question was, what do we do? I'm planning a marketing campaign. That's always the question, right? Mm-hmm. And then the idea was to highlight women in space who are leaders. And at that time, and now even, we have so many women in space who are taking leadership positions. And they're really kind of just showing and setting a good example for future female leaders in space. And our campaign ended up being, I think we highlighted over 15 people at the time. So it was mostly, you know, a lot of volunteers, some standout collegiate stars. Mm-hmm. And we asked them, you know, what's it like? Uh, like, what do you do? Um, what is your role? How, have, how has your work culture been? Or even school culture, being a woman of color and then asking advice. And we kind of just compiled everything and released it in March as one big resource to one, recognize the women and two, provide advice for people at all levels. We wanted to make sure we highlighted people who are working, people who are studying, and really paint the picture that space supports female leadership. Yeah, I think that the campaign was, from what I saw, was I 
when I remember when it first came out that I was like, wow, this is a cool thing that Stace is doing. I forget that if it's still happening, is is it still something that they're planning on doing in come upcoming March? Do you know? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. I no longer I, run marketing, so I'm oh, not yeah. sure of the details. <laughs> I see. But yeah. She inspires me, has always been in space in one form or another. Okay. The campaign yeah. might change, but the message is still the same. Mm-hmm. I also had a question about like your involvement overall in SACE. Like I know you had a bunch of different positions and everything um, going from like your collegiate to marketing and then now board of rep. So I was curious because I think SACE in terms of like coming from a SACE, like a STEM background and stuff like that aren't really wanting to do like marketing or like brand stuff. Was there anything that compelled you to go into marketing for SACE? At the start, to be honest, no. Uh, how I, <laughs> I, have to, I have to explain the story and okay. how I got into marketing. Uh, so it was really the passion for SACE and what it represented and what it could do um, for the membership base and future students that wanted, that made me want to continue to volunteer. And after college, the thing that I knew that everyone did was apply to be an RC. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, that stands for Regional Coordinator on Matt Diaz's collegiate team. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing my interview with RNs, and they were so intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a college student that was about to graduate. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I did not get the position. There were a mm-hmm. lot of people applying for the Midwest. I got an email from Alvin Lim, who was the SACE marketing chair, SACE legend, yeah, still, <laughs> but marketing chair at the time. And he invited me to apply to be a regional marketing representative. My first question is, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so I took a look at the job description. I saw that, you know, you'd still be able to work with your region. And I decided to apply and see what that was about. Like if I could still be on the regional team, I'll do some marketing, I'll learn marketing. It'll still be fun. And it was actually a really great decision. And I'm very fortunate that Alvin reached out with the application because being a regional marketing representative, it allowed me to take a look at what SACE Nationals is doing as a college student, right? As a SACE leader, a chapter you're just looking at what your rc tells you what you see on the national website social media platforms at the time um so it was cool to see like all of the backstage of what happens in planning or like what's going on and then being able to translate that to your chapters and say hey face is going to do this in a month what do you think and being kind of that direct link on the marketing side and also to kind of clean up the brand of face and make sure that you know as we move forward and grow bigger as an organization that our marketing is on point. We're reaching the people that, you know, need us. We covered a lot of like safe stuff and like professional stuff, but I guess we also want to know you as a person. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I know that um, I've interacted with you, like I think through some like SACE Boston pro get togethers. That was like a while ago when I was still there in college. So I didn't really get to talk to you that much. I think I was like not even of legal age yet. Uh, <laughs> at the bars, maybe I don't remember, but um, basically, it's okay. We met at a totally fine, like, yeah, coffee shop park. 
yeah, yeah. it was a restaurant <laughs> that may or may not have had a bar who, who remembers you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean says has like you know both they, they play hard and they work hard you know that's the motto <laughs> <laughs> jenny lives it to the fullest first. you have to work hard, <laughs> work hard first yes hard. that is true yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I guess I just wanted to ask some more of a general question about like you in your life and how you transitioned from, you know, like college to young professional and how that's like changed your mindset in terms of, you know, your interests, hobbies, like your friendships, finances and all that sort of things, like how your mindset has changed in that transition of your life. So transitioning from college to work it was um, interesting because once you're done with work, you have nothing to do. There's no homework. <laughs> it's just right. like, it's, for the first couple months um, when I started working, I was just like, I really need to find hobbies. Right. So <laughs> it was just a lot of, oh, what did I start doing? I started, you know, trying to find time to work out after work or at the time I just moved to San Diego so trying to go to meetups was the big thing because Mm -hmm. I was trying to make friends and like find that group that I could hang out with there it was also just I got into hiking when I was there yeah (laughs) it was a lot of fun going like driving around and the weather's perfect all the time winter it's cardigan weather as I'm sure you guys know (laughs) so it was just nice to be out and about, which is something I kind of missed in pandemic times. Right, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and then as well as that, you know, trying to figure out insurance and um, like 401ks and all of that. Because when you start a job, right, they give you the introduction and they give you all these pamphlets and these yep. booklets to read. And I'm like, all right, I know I need to do this. Like I know that a 401k is for retirement. But then reading through that I'm like hmm, what else does it mean I think Google has been a great search and also just asking parents they were my first resource so when I was trying also to like make friends start a new job in a new city I was also like calling my parents every day I'm like I miss you guys and also just what do I do with this or what does this form mean because no one really teaches you how to adult that's true um, and at least in like the high school that I went to and like the college I went to financial literacy was never a requirement so that's I think that's something that you're still learning you know the, as a young professional when you get out of college to really figure out you know what exactly do these terms mean like what do I need to do to buy a house or mm. like when you figure out like there's so much paperwork for certain things buying a car it's all new stuff yeah and it can be a little scary <laughs> yeah I think that's kind of one of the goals that we had in starting the adult table in understanding that a lot of people probably go through the same struggles of like this adulting phase. I think financial literacy is like one of the big things that people are very like, not like clueless, but like, it's like a strong <laughs> learning curve of like picking up that stuff. Definitely related to like, I, I got like that package of like 401ks and all your like stock, like, um, your information and I, I like read it for like an hour and I was like all right I need to call my parents <laughs> I, I'm missing something but so yeah we we're talking about taxes and stuff and I think something that people are thinking about a lot too is like buying real estate and 
I had recently just moved in the past year to my friend's house who um, bought a house like in Southern California. And I moved in because it was cheaper and like living with friends. And um, mm-hmm. he did do a lot of paperwork to get that house. Um, did or he write a love letter? No, what is that? So it's this. Oops. You're laughing at this, but this works. Three for three. Yeah. <laughs> three for three. So I have heard stories that what people do now is that when they're submitting all of their things to put it in offer, you write a letter to the owners who are selling it, explaining who you are as a family or, you know, as a single person if you're buying a house by yourself and you're trying to appeal to their emotional heartstrings about how, you know, you'll take care of this house, you see a future in it, etc. For example, I have friends who just recently bought a house and he's written things like, we want to raise a family here. I want her to have a home to enjoy and she makes me laugh every day. I want to make her laugh in this house. So it's really just emotional heartstring. It's a cover letter, right? Yeah. For why you want to live in this house. Yeah, that's crazy because I would not have thought of that in terms of like, oh, I just need to do all this financial stuff and like make an offer, I guess, that they would want. But I guess they probably have some, you know, sentimental value for like why they want, who they want to have the place next after them if they've lived there for a long time or something like that. So that's, yeah, that's really I mean, interesting. When you're in the market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're in the market, especially now, I think housing prices have gone up, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are trying to like really have a place of their own in a pandemic life. And it's easier to, you know, go outside, have a yard. That's more, true. more rooms to see as opposed to being stuck in a building yeah. mm-hmm. so i don't think it can hurt i mean you could either up your offer or you just write an emotional letter mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you have nothing to lose right writing the letter it's interesting yeah jenny i think i agree i don't think i would have ever thought that like people selling property <laughs> would care but <laughs> you like grew up in the house or something you have such an attachment to it and everything i also think it depends like you need to know who's selling the house and I think you do, mm-hmm. like when you're taking a look, if it's someone right. that just bought it to flip, maybe not the best That's person true. to write so it to. Do your research first to see whether or not um, who, who you're making the offer to, and if they mm. live there. Because <laughs> that would be awkward. 100%. Would be a little awkward. This whole emotional letter, person's like, I just flipped this. I don't care. Yeah. Damn. Right. Okay. All right, next well, time we see our listeners, we are hoping to hear a lot about people who successfully wrote love so letters yeah, about some real yeah, estate. If you successfully <laughs> have done this, let us know. We'll add to the record. You know, it's 100% <laughs> success right now, and we'll keep it that way, hopefully. <laughs> a <P&O. laughs> Can't hurt. You still have to make an offer. You can't just say, right, you, I you love have to offer house. some money. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just be like, can I have this house, please? <laughs> yeah, zero money. It's not in. It's not an or, it's an and. Right, yes. Damn. All right, noted. <laughs> if only, if only. But I guess like in doing all this, it seems like you did a lot in your first years of like getting out of college and working and having to try to take care of that stuff. So I guess like what kind of advice do you wish like you had heard once you like left college? Oh, this is a tough question. There's like a lot of things that I wish I would have learned. <laughs> Start going Looking through a list of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm going through the list. 
I think Jen- like, Jenny and I are taking big notes here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think from a general perspective, it's just adulting is just always going to be something that you're figuring out. So trying to keep that in mind as you're figuring the rest of like the logistics out. So you know, when you're filing taxes for the first time and you're getting all these advertisements about which tax service to use and trying to think like, oh my gosh, am I going to get audited for my taxes? Like, I just started working. They're not going to, hopefully not. And then it's also just, let's see, how to kind of like navigate the workspace. So talk, how to talk to your boss, right? I think it took me some time when I first started working to figure out the best way to talk to my boss that was productive for me. I realized that I like a boss that can give me criticism. And mm. I know criticism is always hard to hear. Like I always have trouble stomaching it, but I do think it's a necessary evil in a way because it's the only way you'll know where your faults are. So when I started working, I was just like any feedback I hear that's negative is just horrible like I'm a bad employee but that's not the case and like trying to shift your mindset I think is something that you're always trying to figure out as an adult and then when you start working with people because before when I started working I was like a lab rat um (laughs) when you start working with people it's okay how can I work with them because they have a different working style or you know we may not see eye to eye how do I um have that conversation and you know space actually was the big thing that helped me with that because there's so many passionate people in space and not all the time are you going to agree so it's how do we come to an understanding or a conclusion that you know suits both our needs but also like furthers the goal Mm -hmm. yeah I think with all that stuff with the career and taxes and (laughs) I think even when I talk to some other people that I guess I would, at the age, I would expect myself to have my shit together. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. like, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like comforting to hear that, you know, everyone is still figuring it out. Even if they look put together more, there's still some things <laughs> that we are all <laughs> unsure of. Um, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, I am still figuring it out. If you ask me in 10 years from now, I'll probably still be figuring it out. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something that I've been thinking about, too, where like starting in college and meeting people who like graduated or like younger professionals. I was like, wow, like you're working like you're so much older. And now I'm at that point and I'm like, I can't <laughs> I still have so many missing things there. But we're wondering, too, with COVID and stuff, what you were looking forward to post quarantine or COVID times. <laughs> A vacation like a legitimate vacation I mean I have actually traveled in COVID um mm-hmm. to see family and you know being on a plane it's very nerve-wracking the first time especially when the, we didn't know so much about the virus and I was just thinking like if I breathe outdoors I'm definitely gonna get it right <laughs> so I'd love to be able to go international again I'm hoping that this is the year and everything, most things will be okay. Most things, fingers crossed. Right. Don't yeah. quote me on this. Um, <laughs> but I always joke that, you know, when this is done, I'm going to be on a beach somewhere. <laughs> that'd be the best. Like, I mean, it could be back in California. That'd be perfectly fine. But, you know, an international beach after all this would be great. 
for sure. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to just taking some time off and going somewhere new that isn't our house or apartment. Right. <laughs> yeah, or the grocery store. Or the grocery store. Yep. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I swear, like, the only time I go out is the grocery store now and, like, maybe a five minute walk. <laughs> Um, um, is it different go- grocery stores or is it just one grocery store i try to change it up that's that's my vacation right <laughs> going going between trader joe's and uh whole foods <laughs> is there a specific spot like internationally that you would really want to go to um i'm hoping if everything is fine i'll be in italy in october Ooh. we're um, around there milan oh okay Nice. Yeah, I feel like everything in Italy too is like very easy to travel. I did like a short uh, study abroad in Italy. So mm-hmm. we were in Florence and Rome, but like having the day trips to other cities like Milan, Bologna, um, Cinque Terre, like super easy to get around there, which is, yeah, one of the benefits. I'll take your word for it. I've never been. I've only been to Spain and France. So Italy is a big, like must be plus all the carbs I can eat. So I can't complain about that. <laughs> pasta, yeah. <laughs> By the way, too, I actually almost went to U Illinois. It was like my second, my second choice. Um, mm-hmm. Or not my second you choice. I was like it... in between Northeastern and U mm-hmm. Illinois. You can just call it Illinois. Hmm? Because if you're talking about the colleges out there and you just say Illinois, they'll know you mean U of I. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. How do you like it though? The things that I remember just from visiting the campus is just like how large the campus was. It was. Oh, it was great. It was (laughs) what I wanted, like a true college experience because I had just gone to like my middle school and high school experience. I went to Catholic school and there were smaller class sizes and I just wanted something different and touring. I'm like, this is like a big campus, a lot of people. This is great. (laughs) I don't know how I'd feel like now going into post pandemic of a lot of people awesome but back then it was really great and mm-hmm. um actually started college as an anthropology major oh wow i did i thought <laughs> i was going to go um into biological anthropology and then be a doctor as i'm sure a lot of people thought when they were going to college <laughs> and then i took anthropology I took biological anthropology my second semester and I volunteered at a hospital. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we were just talking about this before you jumped on of like choosing your major before. Cause it's like, I had like chosen civil, but it's kind of weird thinking that I had chosen my professional career when I was 17 or whatever and like mm-hmm. did not know anything about any other like fields or studies or anything. Yeah. I, kind of relate to that because when filling out the applications just like so I want do I need to make this choice right now do I have to make this choice and I don't know how it is now but like back in the day it just seemed like undecided as a major was kind of taboo or oh you don't know what to do with your life so Mm -hmm. I actually had a high school friend who you know majored in undecided when she, like general studies when she started college and it really worked out for her because she was able to take classes and a bunch of different things and then figure out like what she wanted to do whereas like you're right like you're making that decision to do one major you're kind of siloed in that without enough classes to explore or really figure out if that's what you wanted to do mm-hmm. 
actually I did that too. When I applied for colleges, I actually applied for a different one per college and then just saw what I got into. And the Northeastern happened to be the one where I, I actually applied undecided, the only one where I applied undecided. And then I got in like through their exploring program too. But then I just so happened to take only STEM classes. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> what field do you think you would have wanted to do if it wasn't in STEM? Not in STEM. Oh man. If it wasn't in STEM, I actually would have gone into sound engineering. Well, I don't know if it counts as STEM, like sound design for theater. Oh. So I actually applied for that when I was applying to college. Oh, okay. Oh, that's like a um, specific like, area of study that you can yeah. Yeah, so you could, if it's, how do they call it? It's just like, um, some call it like stagecraft or technical theater, I think is what they call it in some mm. areas. But back then, I was a theater kid in high school. And I was always just like behind the scenes, like, uh, working a mixing board and helping set up speakers. I thought like, this is so much fun. And being in Vegas, uh, my high school director, her husband worked on the Las Vegas Strip for some of the shows and he was like an actual sound designer. So I think we were a little spoiled in that we had someone who had the professional experience kind of gave us that insight of like, oh, this is so cool. I'd love to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I think my parents were very funny and that they entertained the idea. They're like, like, sure, fine. <laughs> I think they knew. They're like, we'll let her, we'll let her see if this is what she wants to do. <laughs> And had I not gone into STEM, I think I would have done that. I think now with pandemic, I'm a little fortunate that I didn't because I'd probably be very much out of a job, um, which is unfortunate because like the arts and like the hospitality industries have like really suffered. Mm -hmm. Have you tried to do any just like small theater? I've done it when I was in college. I did it for fun. There was a venue there. I think it'd be cool to do it outside of like an actual theater show because they had you know, a bunch of different people come in, like smaller artists that eventually like blew up. Um, it'd be cool to do shows like that. But I did Rocky Horror with them. And if oh. you've never been to a Rocky Horror Picture Show viewing, it's very interactive because they do, they show the movie and then they have people play the actual characters in front of you. And then they like grab people from the audience and it's if you don't like interaction <laughs> or like being up on, you probably should not go or like sit in the very back. But that's what it was. And that was just a lot of fun because I think people that, you know, work in sound design are super cool and they're very chill. Always have fun stories about so-and-so that they worked with at one time. And I still like seeing like Broadway shows and I'm going to miss, well, it's, I still miss live shows. Um, I did it a lot when I was in San Diego and then some in Boston, whenever there'd be a show. Sometimes I'd, I learned to go to shows by myself sometimes and just really enjoyed the music. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I went, my first show by myself was in San Diego. I saw Miss Saigon. But it's funny too, because, so I, I grew up in New York, like not the city, but Westchester County outside of it. And mm-hmm. my siblings were part of like the Miss Saigon shows. They were Tam. I'm not sure if you know the show, but like, mm-hmm. they were like the little kid. <laughs> in the show so they got to do that so they were on like broadway shows too oh that's cool yeah i missed out on it but 
I think they just like stopped doing Miss Saigon, but my parents also told me I'd be too obnoxious of a kid to, to be good at this role. Like, <laughs> like I'd be like too loud or couldn't stay still. And like, that's kind of like all you do like <laughs> as that role. I'm sure there's a role that you can fill then. That would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We have a speed round that we usually do with our guests. So we just have a few questions and um, you can answer them. I guess, I guess the point is to answer them quickly. <laughs> but right. if you want to go time? into a tangent. No, no time. No, it's not time. Okay. Um, don't feel too rushed. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah, it's like maybe the, it's like sort of a game we do every, okay. uh, every show. So, all right. So first question is, what are two or three things that you can't live without? My iPad and a good face mask. Ooh. Mm. Good. Okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite book and or what are you currently reading now? I'm currently reading Obama's new book, Promised Land. Mm. My favorite book is Love in the Time of Cholera. It's Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm. Interesting. I need to read more. <laughs> no time like a pandemic yeah that's true um i guess also relating to that is there anything that you've recently been binge watching or last thing that you had watched the past two weeks i watched all three seasons of narcos oh dang good stuff <laughs> i'm running out of things to watch <laughs> so i will take recommendations okay beverages of choice wine okay red or white <laughs> Red. Okay. I'm not back if we're being more specific. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got your plenty of options when you go to Italy for some red wine. So <laughs> I'm hoping for a good Barolo when I'm there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess going off of that, if you could eat only one type of cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mexican food. Mm. Mm. Nice. That's so Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Get some good carne asada fries. Oh my god, <laughs> I miss it so much. Okay, you I think we have. Back. Right. <laughs> okay, last one. Dream place to live, but no strings attached in terms of like, I guess, family or whatever. <laughs> oh, on a beach, Southern California. Ooh. I don't you care like where. beaches. <laughs> I I like warm places and. West Coast beaches are probably, aside from, you know, international, like Hawaii, are probably some of my favorite beaches. I've done East Coast beaches, and some of them are a little bit too pebbly for my taste. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, sandy beaches that. are worth that. Okay. Yeah, West Coast beaches hit different. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's, like, cold right now, so my mind is on warm weather. Mm. Right. <laughs> so, ask me in the summer. <laughs> okay i mean west coast is nice because it's not like a humid um like hot weather whereas like in the east coast it's like really it's like just icky when it's really hot here so it's it's not the best yeah, yeah. yeah. and when there's humidity there tends to be mosquitoes and i'm not a fan mm. yeah yeah i feel like also the east coast beaches for it to be warm enough to go in the water like the sand is literally like you can't touch it but then the water is still cold like <laughs> you can't like lay down or enjoy the water. It's a mess. Yeah. 
but yeah, good job on the speed round. Uh, thanks for <laughs> answering quickly on this. But yeah, we just wanted to thank you for coming on the adult table. We're really glad we were able to bring on a female guest and also talk about your journey through SACE and your professional life. I think especially as a board representative, it's important to for like our SACE community to get to know you better and feel comfortable reaching out, make their voices heard. So Pia, do you have any socials or anything that you want to plug for the listeners to find you? Sure. You can find me on Facebook through my name. And then <laughs> you're going to slide into my Instagram DMs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lil Pia too. And ask me about SACE board membership representative because applications will be out soon to fill my role. Oh, okay. Are there like two spots for represent? Because I know that Ben is also a board member yeah. rep. So the board membership representative is split into two roles. So there is the collegiate membership and the professional membership because our professional membership base has just been exponentially growing in the past year. Yeah. So sure. applications will be out soon for both. So stay tuned for that. And you can ask me any questions if you want to know more. <laughs> Okay, cool. Thank you. And don't forget to subscribe to us so you know when episodes come out. And you can follow us on Instagram as well while you're there following Pia um, at the adult table for updates. And we also have a feedback form open. Um, so if you have any suggestions for any future guests you want on or questions that you want answered or any general feedback, we'd love to hear that from you. And you can find that in our link tree in our Instagram bio for more information. Yeah, I'm Jason Chin. And I'm Jenny Chung, and we'll see you next time at the adult table. Thanks for listening. Bye.